This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. He scores! The former Canuck, Jared McCann, has his team leading 23rd goal of the year. Vince Dunn, to the left point for Gore. Drops to Larson, right circle, Bjorkstrand scores! With the instant reaction from the players and coaches. Jared McCann got it in front, right? Donato with a backhander, he scores! Donato beats Spencer Martin over the glove underneath the crossbar, and it's 6 1 Seattle. On the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks. Get fed their lunch in Seattle, 6-1 against the Kraken. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Your text messages always welcome to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. And we'll get to more reaction coming up in a few minutes. And we'll get to uh, post-game audio as well from head coach Rick Tockett, who I can't help but think is not going to be quite as uh, happy as he was last night when the Canucks beat the Chicago Blackhawks going away tonight. Not a good performance. And to talk about that and more, let's welcome in Randeep Janda into the discussion. And Randeep, uh, a hugely, well, wildly different game tonight compared to the one we saw last night against Chicago. Yeah, I'm going to bring up a a soccer chant that is often said uh, at a lot of stadiums across England. Uh, why can't you play? Why can't we play Chicago every game? You know, every match, right? That's that's sometimes what they chant in EPL stadiums. Unfortunately for the Canucks, they can't play Chicago every night. Um, Seattle, a different class, play completely different, and they pressure you. They make you make mistakes, and right from the outset, guys, you saw the puck pressure, the forecheck, really bothered the Canucks, and they fell into those bad habits that. Rick Tockett is trying to get this team to shake out and make sure that you can stick to the details in your structure. Unfortunately, that was not the case tonight. Yeah, so it's a back-to-back, and did it even look like a tired performance? Because I don't think it did. It just looked like a uh, massive gap in performance. I think it was an overwhelmed team, right, where you saw Seattle and what they had to bring. And they had an MO. They understood what they had to do, where you're coming with a forecheck, you're going to unsettle the Canucks, and... Also, when they give up the puck, when Canucks actually had this, uh, the puck in the offensive zone, which was pretty rare for the opening 10, 12 minutes of this game, guys, it's that you're going to hit them quickly. So to me, it wasn't necessarily fatigue, especially the, the first two periods of this game. It was one team knew exactly what they had to do to win. The other team was trying to stay, keep their head above water. And, you know, you saw some of those puck management mistakes. Mm. You saw some of the players trying to go hero mode where getting out of position – which they got out of position, then their teammate goes out of position, um, and the dominoes start to fall in a bad way defensively. And we also saw some of the the issues with the PK. So to me, it was not fatigue. It was when push comes to shove and you're put in a position that makes you uncomfortable, what do you do? Do you go back to the details that this new coaching staff is trying to teach you, or do you go back to some of those habits, that fight-or-flight mentality? And I saw a lot of flight today. I saw a lot of old habits come out where over time, and this is going to be a long process with the coaching staff, uh, you're going to have to try to get this team to work those out because that's the long game here. Well, you know, it's 
it's one of those things that it's so hard to break muscle memory and break mm-hmm. your habits. And this team has had such bad habits all season long in terms of how they played and how they revert back and just completely losing their heads and, and their poise really throughout the game in so many different times and just getting away from the from the game script. And we saw that again, you know, and, and it's hard for you to reel that in. And you could see sometimes watching the players where you could see them thinking and trying to think, okay, I can't do this. I can't do this. The next thing you know, you're just completely committed. You've gone the other way. And, you know, we kind of noted this in the first period, but you saw the first few minutes, the players really doing their best to stay intact and stay disciplined. And as the game dragged on and as Seattle scored goal after goal after goal, all that stuff started fraying and the gaps got bigger and bigger and wider and wider. And it just seemed like Seattle kept getting more space as the game went on as opposed to getting less space as the game went on. No, for sure. And that was, I think, where, you know, credit to Seattle, where they were pressuring the Canucks and they were really, you know, hitting those pressure points. But I I think this is a team that's trying to find their confidence, right? Tockett came into the job and essentially said, hey, these guys have had, you know, they're a bit... You know, they were a bit anxious. They had some anxiety over the last little bit with what's going on in the market. And you look at what that one nothing goal where, you know, Bjorkstrand scores that goal, but how does that happen? There's a, a giveaway in the own in their own zone by Bo Horvat that needs to be a, just a stronger play. That's a soft play where you're trying to make that pass and you can't make it. At, at that point, you're trying to get just get it out of the zone. You're under pressure. There's a couple of mistakes there, relief pressure, but you're trying to make that perfect play. And in that instance, he can't make that pass. And guess what happens? The confidence that you're trying to build, guys, it's undercut. And when you're playing Chicago, it's easy to come back in those games. You have it in your DNA to come back in games. They've won 14 comeback games this year. But against good teams, especially, you know, a Seattle team that when they score first, they don't lose guys. 19-3-2 this season. You can say 20 now because they they scored first in this game as well. It it just undercut the – it totally undercut the, uh, you know, the confidence. And that's something that where I, I think you look at this situation and it was a, a real a downer to start this game. And, and against good teams, it's going to be tough to come back and climb into these games. Yeah, and you know we'll we'll see how the Canucks fare coming up on Friday when they host the Columbus Blue Jackets before heading into the all, their bye week and then the All Star break. So one more game to go and not more evaluation after that for quite some time. So Randy, we look forward to your call coming up on Friday, and we'll chat with you again very soon. Cheers, boys, and I know Bick is going to be watching that one very closely. Hashtag lot of watch, if I'm not mistaken. Is that is that the trend? Yeah, big one today too. Columbus uh, beating uh, the Oilers in overtime, so they uh, picked up two points. All right. All right. Friday it is, guys. See you then. All right. Uh, awesome stuff. That is Randy Jan. And keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. Uh, you can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650, after the Canucks lose 6-1 in Seattle against the Kraken. And, you know, we have a lot of reaction here on the text inbox, 650-650. And a common refrain we've seen quite a bit through social media and also on the text inbox is, yeah, the coach was definitely the problem in, mm-hmm. in a sarcastic sense. And there's a lot of nuance to it, but I mean, did we not There's call this? plenty of nuance to this. This Now, did we not call this? Did we call this when the hire was made? I'm like, we're going to sit here, and it won't probably be that long after a few games, and people are going to look at a, a game and be like, is this why they fired Boudreaux? Like, this looks worse than it was before, because it's, it's going to take adjusting. It's going to take some time for them to break these habits, play cleaner hockey, and even then, you're not even sure if they have enough time to gain the confidence and play better hockey this season. It's about establishing things long-term, but... This type of performance pick is exactly what I was expecting at some point. Maybe not losing 6-1 and looking this bad. But I didn't think it was going to be like, oh, talk it's here, coach bump, go out and win yeah. five or six games in a row and look like you figured it out like they did last year. with, Like last year when Boudreaux came in, 
a, a switch was flipped, and they look completely different, and they stayed that way. And they managed to get some successful results early, right? But also, the, the players didn't have a ton of rules. It was... Yeah. We're going to be aggressive on the four check, quick ups. Just go on four check and go and try to score goals and quickly get out of your own zone. That's but, kind of what they, they tried to do. They simplify things, but it was about go, 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 and now build a structured style of play. But the fact that they even went three and zero when Bruce arrived yeah. kind of kickstarts. Okay, everything's working, everything's going, even if it's it, it simplistic, hockey, but you're yeah. executing it well. Yes. It keeps everyone engaged, right? And three became five, became eight, and suddenly it's like it's all going good. This is okay. Now you hit the the, the 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 L wall immediately. You know, for me, I always thought after the All Star break, because now guys have a chance to go away, reset their minds, and the new coach smell of yeah. uh, of a new coach kind of wears off, and you know we'll see them revert back to who they were in a back to back. Okay, you can understand it does slide back to who they are, but yeah, it, it's at some point they were always going to show up to be this version of themselves from what we've seen because just removing the coach is not going to solve all the other issues of other players on one-year deals and Mm -hmm. coming to the head of trade deadline. When you did it in December last year, in early December, there was still a large runway of the season here. Like they know they're 14 points back. They know they're not going to the playoffs. Yeah. This is going to wear off. And this is why, you know, there's, Things you grasp at for this remaining 35 games here, 36 games for Rick Tockett. And you say, okay, what can we piece together that can translate to next year? But it's not going to be, A, first of all, it's not going to be overwhelming system changes in one game. And B, uh, it's not going to be steady because so many players have been playing for themselves. And that's that's going to continue heading towards March 3rd. Yeah, and... That's certainly where, where this team kind of finds itself. We have a lot of questions and comments on the text inbox. Dave in Vancouver. Tank, there it is. Now, there sure. was a Bruce, there it is chant that broke out in Seattle. It was audible on the on the broadcast. Apparently late, too, as well. Yeah, and it was, uh, was, was it Canucks fans or Kraken fans? Do we know? Don't know. Don't yes. Know. Yes. Yes. Yes, there were fans. That? They were fans. Uh, Robbie and Burnaby. Rest easy, Tank Nation. The coach's bump was just a blip. Yeah. It's one game, and they have another game coming up on, on Friday. Again, this team, they're not getting anywhere near a postseason spot. Like, th- th- What did we is... say uh, last postgame? How many points? Uh, so last game. Over uh, under 75. 75 points. That would be them playing 500. Yes. You and I both comfortably took the under. Yeah, I I don't feel like, even we were talking about this on the pregame show, talking to Dan, I'm like, I, I don't feel confident that this team's going to be you know above 75 points. Sure, they beat C- Chicago, but... There's going to be an adjustment period to go through. And tonight we saw it in a big way. And the other thing, too, about this is Tockett's not here, I don't think, Bick, to be to make friends. I think it's to identify who they want to keep and who they want to move on from and who works and who doesn't work. So if you're a player, for instance, who isn't really ingratiating yourself to Rick Tockett, how are you going to feel as the season goes on? I'm just saying, like, the vibes mm-hmm. last year were very positive with Boudreaux. I don't know if it's necessarily going to be positive if guys don't play well. Like, it's not going to be a pat on your back. It's going to be a kick in the butt. You know, and I think a lot of these guys may need that. And I think Talk has done a good job so far because he's only been here for a few days. It's to have the positive outlook about things. And, you know, we're trying to establish these things. But you see performances like this, maybe one or two more times, you're going to start seeing the nasty side of Rick Tockett pretty, pretty quickly. Like, hey, remember Boudreaux? You're like, does this guy ever get mad? Can you imagine Bruce Boudreaux being upset? And you saw the way he was halfway through the season this yeah, year. Yeah, there were some times. Where where Bruce was, hey, I I know I want to win, yeah, right, and he was f- as tough as Bruce Boudreaux can be, uh, at least with the media, because you know, we've seen you know footage behind closed doors yeah. where 
he gets a little ornery. Uh, but as far as how tough Bruce was with the media, it was, yeah, like, I want to win and comments like that. Uh, 650, 650. Uh, this one, uh, the hit from Myers deserves attention. I don't know mm. if it's going to get league look so uh jesse also says i don't watch hockey because jesse says he's not watching the canucks just listens to the shows but what happened to maddie Beniers? Mm-hmm. so it's a completely undisciplined unnecessary play that tyler myers makes so to try to figure out the genesis of it maddie Beniers is forechecking behind the canucks net throws a very innocuous hit on Tyler Myers. And Matty Beniers is what, like 5'11", 6 feet tall or something, and you know a good 9-inch mm-hmm. difference. Like it, it wasn't a big hit or anything. After that, Matty Beniers goes around the net and goes to the high slot in front of the Canucks net. Tyler Myers tracks behind him, goes to the high slot. Now, Matty Beniers calls for the puck, and uh, the Kraken have the puck on the far wall, I think it is, or no, they have it up near the point, and he's calling for the puck, and Myers goes to close on him. But it becomes pl- clear the puck isn't going mm-hmm. to Beniers and goes somewhere completely different. Like the puck is nowhere near Beniers. No pass goes to Beniers. And Myers just decides to run him over. Just completely run him over. And Beniers falls over and, and looks like he hits his hi- head against the ice with his helmet on. Helmet doesn't come off, but his helmet come, falls on his side. And it's in the side of his head looks like it hit the ice. He stayed on the bench for a while, ends up leaving and not coming back. I guess by the rule... If you have an infraction that leads to an injury, it can be a five-minute major in a game misconduct, which could lead to some sort of potential suspension because of the action led to an injury. So there's a potential there for it. But it wasn't a dirty hit per se. It was just... It wasn't a high hit. It was was just a bad... It was an interference, a late hit, and the fall to the ice looks to have caused the issue. It was just senseless. Completely. there, There was no reason for it. Yeah. But it wasn't like go out of your way, headshot kind of deal. Uh, or a or two-hand slash or anything like that. Uh, so, again, we'll see if the, the league does take a look at it, but I would be generally surprised in that scenario. 650, 650. Uh, was it as noticeable to you guys how slow we look compared to Seattle? And that's what oh, we yeah. talked about in the first intermission, just how quick, A, Seattle was willing to play, get the puck up the walls, and just engage into the play the next wave as well. Uh, some part I'll grant some leniency because it's a back-to-back but it's what we expected from the crack and how fast they do play how how deep they do get on their forecheck and willing to to commit bodies and force you to delay how to get out of your zone so yeah there was elements of uh the speed certainly showing up yeah and you see where the canucks i mean the canucks can try to play quicker and faster and that's something they need to do and something they talked about and as time goes on we'll see if they can implement those things but it's very very obvious very obvious. This team needs more speed. Mm-hmm. They're very much lacking in the. Sp- I mean, they're lacking in the speed department. They're lacking in the toughness department. They're lacking in the. I don't want to say they're you a sound small like the uh, Swiss uh, junior coach now. They're bigger. They're faster. <laughs> they're they're right. stronger. They're, they're, than better us, than us. they're better than us. <laughs> well, to some extent, yeah. But I mean, not to sound too old hockey guy again, but they do. They do lack toughness, and they they do lack guys that can push their way. You know, and, and I don't just mean wall battles, but guys that can get to the net when they want to, cause some havoc, get in people's faces a little bit. You know, like there's just, I mean, how often does this team go meekly into Look, the night? We keep saying that they have no identity. None. And so when you, ha- when you can't rely on any one thing to say, oh, we can do this, we can just be tougher than teams. Well, they don't have that. They can't play that card. They can't play the card of being faster than other teams. They can't even play the card of, 
wow, we can always outscore teams. They're a high-scoring team. They're not exceptional at it. They're no. around tenth in the league. No, they're not. They're not even elite. Yeah, you know, it's like it's like you're good. You're good. You're good. But you also score a lot of cheap goals with how you play. So and these are the things they have to just bringing making this better again. This is something we've 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 made this point numerous times. But all you want to do is get them to play a style of game that takes away any excuse that says, okay, now you're playing a style you can't say, oh, it's it's the um, it's what we're trying to do. That's the problem. It's a coach. That's the problem. No, it's like, okay, all these things are implemented. Now it falls on U.S. players. And these players have massive shortcomings. There's no doubt about it. And they need to change the roster in a massive way. The question is, how far are they going to go in that roster change? Because we've seen And the, when. Yeah, and we've seen the coach change. And, and we all agree they need to establish an identity and build all that, all that stuff up. But out of the group of players who are here, Bic, how many do you really want to hold on to? Like, If I gave you a choice, for the players who are playing for the Canucks today, you have an unlimited... You, you, can, keep, you can keep an unlimited amount of them. How many are you keeping on this Canucks roster if you had your way? If I, if I had my way. Yeah. So this is like uh, BK? Uh, yeah. Like, are you holding on more than four guys maybe? Maybe? So Petey, Hughes, Demko. And like, do you throw in like one of the Russians in there? I'd probably go a bit deeper. Maybe five, six. Like, I, I, am I also assuming the contracts? Like... You kind of have to keep some JT. guys. Yeah, yeah. You can only right? own JT. And there's some guys you're holding on to. But how many guys do you want to build with here? Like, yeah, four or five. There aren't a ton, and I think mm-hmm. the organization probably views that list maybe a bit longer. But I think there are a lot of guys that won't be here. But you still have to establish mm-hmm. what it's going to look like, what your expectations are walking through the door. But the second part of everything here is the roster side of things. The coach is just the one side of it. Now the organization can no longer have this sense of, hey, we don't have our guy behind the bench. They keep talking structure. They keep talking about you know, establishing habits and having expectations and rules and, and holding everybody to a higher standard. Well, if that's what you're doing, great. That's one part of it. But the part that matters is the roster part. And that's what ultimately has to change here. And the coach thing, great. Get it out of the way. That has to get worked on. But the big stuff is yet to come. And how I've always viewed it, too, is, and, and not just in hockey and in all sports, f- coaches can provide the floor for what your team can be. The players ultimately dictate what the ceiling is. So when the bottom drops out, to me, that's on coaching. But to, to achieve greatness, that's going to ultimately be on the players. And for what we're talking about, where this team needs to go next year, beyond, all that sort of stuff. They need to refresh the roster. That has to happen. Mm-hmm. The The idea of bringing in Rick talking now is start to reestablish what the floor can be for this group or for, for at least the organization and the pieces that you do want to retain. Yeah. Oh, and how many of those pieces are they going to retain? Some of them you you have to retain, like you mentioned, but that's going to be the big challenge here uh, for the organization. A lot of reaction on text inbox, 650-650. Love the new system. Amazing upgrade. That's what <laughs> text message says uh, Marcus and Gibson's cheap shots build rivalries now there wasn't any pushback I know Mark Colin Caribou also said I was very surprised no one went after Myers especially in the third once it was announced Beneers would not return the league will look at it that's Colin from Caribou and Marcus saying cheap shots build rivalries I guess there was a fight after the hit not too long after Luke Shen fought Alexiak I don't know if that had anything to do with it mm-hmm. um, because you know Myers went into the bench and went to the penalty box but Maybe that had something to do with the response-wise. Maybe that was Luke Shen trying to get the Canucks going. They were down 2 nothing at that stage. 
is that something that gets a rivalry going? Maybe. I mean, you're talking about their, hey, how do Canucks fans feel when Elias Pettersson got crushed by Mike Matheson? Hated Mike mm-hmm. Matheson. Hated the Florida Panthers for it. So I'm sure a lot of Seattle Kraken fan fans at the moment are probably looking at that hit and they're pretty mad with Tyler Myers, saying, hey, it was a use, it was a cheap shot hit. You know, it was unnecessary. That's probably, I'm sure, how, how a lot of Seahawks, I mean, Kraken fans feel. Yeah, that's a good frame of reference for it. Um, you know, that one was more of a hockey play gone wrong than this one was. I guess a little bit. He, he kind of goes out of his way to initiate that contact. Uh, 650, 650. Uh, a, a lot of people mad at us that, that, that were explaining the loss. <laughs> Losing is a great result. Tank for Bedard. Hey, hey, yes. Look, we're not saying losing is a bad result. We're evaluating how they're playing hockey. Okay. Listen, you can you can cheer for – you know what these guys are doing? They're playing a hockey game, and they're playing to win, and they're trying to win. So mm-hmm. what we do is we analyze the game based on what they're trying to do and how it unfolds. That's it. It doesn't mean that we're saying it's a bad thing thing for your team to lose. But you, we don't sit there and say, you know what? The Canucks played great tonight and lost the hockey game. It's a good thing. No, it's like, no, they played poorly and these are the reasons why they lost and this is what this, these are the re- things they have to improve. I think everybody's got to chill. And, Relax. And Rick Tockett, I imagine, is not going to be thrilled with this either. Uh, we'll hear from him in just a moment here. Uh, this one, Frankel from Burtaby. Hey, guys, don't understand why management continues to watch this team and lose the same way day in, day out. This has been going on for over a year now. We kept hearing Rutherford is not scared to pull the trigger. They need to make some changes now and not wait last thing you want is an injury and also a couple of texts that are similar to that as well of when are we finally going to see some changes and look this has always been more of a financial issue than it has been a evaluation issue in terms of cap space available around the league they're very aware the vancouver connects brass is very aware that they are 19 26 and 3 okay this is now results dictating process. You're not going to the playoffs. And not you, even close. Yeah, not even close. I mean, Daniel and Campbell, I was like, there's no way this team doesn't get to 80 points. Now it's like, I don't even think they're getting to 80 points. Daniel and Campbell, you called it earlier. I owe you a round of golf. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, they have to make the right moves, yeah. right? And I know, I know you've talked about this and like, hey, they're going to give Horvat another chance. Sure. That's always felt more performative to me. Yeah. Why play your hand and say, oh, we're officially done. Go you make... Le- Leverage-wise, you keep it open. Yeah. Make one more semi-honest attempt, and, and even that doesn't even really feel that honest of an attempt. Just run it down, but it's a financial thing more than anything that teams across the league, if you just want to make the type of trade where you get the contract off your books and you take cheap pieces back, maybe a roster player back, but if you want to do that style of trade, you have to wait for other teams to clear up cap space. Yes. And every day you go by, we do this exercise, we're a little bit closer to a bunch of other teams opening up cap space. There was a time stat where we would talk and say, if if even if you retained 50% on Bo Horvat right now, there's only four teams that can take on that contract clean. Yeah. Right, they can give you picks, they can give you prospects, but it's still going to be an issue. There was a time where it was four teams, and some of those teams were Anaheim, Arizona, Buffalo, Chicago, and Detroit in Chicago. Yeah. And so it just didn't just did not make sense for those teams. Now we keep going, and we got into a stage where they've paid off enough on Bo Horvat's contract. If you retain fifty percent right now, it suddenly becomes one point one million, and there's about 
10 teams that can take that on clean right now. Yes, and that even more teams in about a week or two. So it changes the landscape. But we're getting a lot closer here. And yeah. the Canucks have to make some changes. They are they have taking to. on risk for sure? Of course they are. And, and honestly, like I'm uneasy about it. Every game Bo plays, I'm uneasy about it. Yeah. And it's it's more unease now and unrest now because you're closer to March 3rd. So close to If it. he got hurt in end of November, you're like, all right, I got three months to get back. It'll be fine unless it was like a devastating injury. Now it's... Hey, like, like, some, like the wrong kind of tweak could take you out for a month. Like a high ankle sprain could be yeah. disastrous. Yes. You know, and, and that's the type of situation that you find yourself in. And a lot of risk where the Canucks are at right now and kind of walking that tightrope in terms of trying to make that right deal. Haven't been able to do so so far. But, but just to point this out, like the, the Rangers have now entered the fold. The Islanders yeah. have entered the fold. The, the Jets, the Predators, the Wild can now suddenly take on this contract if you retain 50%. You need buyers to also secure and drive up the price for you as well. That's the other thing. And so uh, play this out a little longer. Like suddenly, does Colorado get back into it with their LTIR situation with Landis Gog? Yeah. As teams also f- figure out their LTIR situation, that's going to clear it up. Because some teams, they would be able to take it on, but how do they get the players off of LTIR? Well, now injury clarity yes. uh, at this stage of the season uh, forms a new reality as well. Yeah, it does change things and it adds another layer to it. Now, we'll talk more about the trades, possible trades, and where things may be headed. We'll keep evaluating or anal- analyzing the 6-1 Canucks loss in Seattle against the Kraken. We are going to hear from head coach Rick Tockett on the other side, plus from Canucks players and from you on our phone boards. Also, also our text inbox 650-650. It's Satin Bick on the Canucks Central Postgame Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Now more of the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion. Text us at 650-650 or call us at 604-280-0650. This is the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Donato beats Spencer Martin over the glove underneath the crossbar, and it's 6-1 Seattle. Canucks lose 6-1 against the Kraken in Seattle, and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. As always, keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650. You can also grab a phone line as well. It's Sat and Bick here on Sportsnet 650. We are going to get to some text messages coming up in a few seconds here, and uh, we are going to hear from head coach Rick Tockett in just a few moments. A fiery Rick Tockett in terms of what he had to say, so you don't want to miss this. We'll get to that coming up in just a second. And we were mentioning that in Seattle uh, the fans broke out with a Bruce There It Is chant, and we had uh, one of our listeners and, and a Canucks fan watching a game in Seattle, Mark Saunders, tweet at me and say he was at the game. Bruce There It Is definitely Canucks fan initiated. So there you go. All right. That's my man at the scene. They must have heard you last night. Said we're driving to Seattle to prove that wrong. Good. Don't be cowards. <laughs> go full measure. You know, don't go half measure. Go full measure. That's what I'm saying. I mean, yeah, you sit here and say the Canucks have to go full on into the rebuild and everything. Then sure. you know, go full measure. All I'm saying. You can go full measure too, is what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. All right. Uh, yeah, put we're your t- money where your mouth is. Yeah, we were talking about. Uh, Tempting fate here, but uh, situations where, where injuries could occur, and someone says, or what if Herb Horvat gets clipped like Beneers? Yeah, we saw that the last game uh, where he kind of took one to the midsection lower body, and yeah. 
wincing getting up, but he was fine the rest of the way. Played 24 minutes, and there was that quick little <gasps> gasp from everyone. It's like, is Horvat hurt? Is he? Uh, by the way, we were tracking this because he played 24 last yeah. night, uh, 20 tonight. Much more manageable. There yeah. we go. Pedersen played 20, and JT Miller played 16-30. Only 10 minutes at uh, even strength right. for JT Miller. So JT's minutes brought down a little bit here. Mike and Tawasin, I dare Riccio to step forth and say something positive about that performance. Easy. Easy. They didn't improve <laughs> draft lottery odds. Yeah. There you go. They, sorry, they didn't pull away in the draft lottery yeah. odds. And Columbus won, so it's getting tighter again. They, they were eight points uh, back of top spot yesterday, and now they're back within eight points because Columbus won. Anaheim has the top spot right now per points percentage. Yeah. I know Chicago's got 32, but uh, their points percentage is slightly above Columbus and Anaheim. Yeah. So, so there you go. They're right there. They're, they they're they lost the no ground in two days. No, they haven't. No, 50-50 so far. Uh, this but if, if they lost yesterday. Yes, sad, diff- diff- different story. Uh, this text unsigned. No new coach bump here. Talk it here it ain't. <laughs> I see you working. That's, Jokes for 60. Uh, well done. Well, we'll, well get here to more, he is. Yeah, we'll get to more of your text messages and your phone calls. But first, here is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 6-1 loss in Seattle. That's a good team right there. Um, you know, I don't know if the anxiety caught up to it, some of the guys, you know, the emotions last week, but oof, that was bad today. That was bad. He has won so many puck battles last night in the first box last night, and it was a total opposite. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, soft. It was a you know you hate to call your team soft, but it was soft tonight. You know we didn't uh, didn't participate on the wall battles. We didn't get a rim out. You know that we knew we were there. You know this is a good team. We didn't play predictable. We started regrouping. Like old habits, came, you know, old habits came. We were just talking the coach stuff, man. I wish I had about ten practices. I really do. And uh, it shows tonight that we got a lot of work to do. You would be aware of how inconsistent they've been from, you know, your prep for this job. Did it still surprise you how the team tonight hardly looked anything like the team last night? Well, you know, like I said last night, you know, I warned uh, like, the coach, like, you know, it's one game, but it's hard to do it again and again. And it, 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 was, it was hard for them to stay in good habits, you know, frustration. Um, you know, I don't like to say the anxiety, but it... it you just, I don't, I don't know what to say. I really don't. It's one of those, you know, uh, game plan is there, and it's hard to continue to do it. Sometimes when you have to play a good team like that, it's okay to live for another shift, you know. Just advance the puck. You know, you don't always have to make a home run play, and then we try to make home run plays over home run plays, and then it's 2 3 4 nothing, and then, you know, then the, uh, the game's over after that. Not often you see these days because of how valuable the timeout is. A coach used one in the first period. Yeah. You obviously felt you needed it. What was what was your thinking? What was the message at that point to them? Well, we there was two opportunities to go north with it, which ha- we did la- last night to advance the play and actually chase a puck down and win a battle. And uh, for some reason we regroup. Um, the weak side wingers staying wide. Um, nobody wants the puck. I I, I don't you know. I've been here a short time, like four or five days, and um, from what I was told, this group has a tough time putting back-to-back, you know, predictable hockey or you know, uh, efforts together. So we got a long way to go. They're a fast team. Yes. Probably you guys aren't a fast team, but no. do you have to find a way to play faster? 
Yeah, and that's predictable hockey. Everybody's got to know where the puck's going. You know, yeah, you're right. They're a fast team. They exposed us, and we didn't expose them. You know, I kind of shoot myself. I, I had a gut feeling to put two or three other guys in the lineup, just maybe to put some fresh legs. I didn't, so that's kind of maybe my fault. Um, I was, th- you know, not to suck against myself, but maybe I should have done that. You said uh, yeah. the first press conference that you didn't see just rolling out the same guys for the for the PK because you know it hadn't worked. Are you getting close to that thought with rolling out different guys on the power play with how it's been for a while now? Yeah, uh, I did it on purpose. I wanted them to go back out there three minutes and see because I want to see if the the frustration came, the, the bitching or whatever to each other. Um, like I said, I've just been here. I want to see if that happens. So um, that's why I went. Usually, if I was here for a while, I probably wouldn't have put them back out there. So what's what's your biggest takeaway from the first 28 hours coaching? Well, listen, you know, we all know there's some holes we got to fill. Um, you know, we're going to get that leadership group stronger, uh, more resilient uh, team, obviously. Um and listen, I, I'm not making excuses, but maybe the anxiety caught up to them. And every, it just, it looked like everybody looked tired. Everybody couldn't handle the puck. Usually, you know, some games you have three or four guys that don't look good, but it seemed like I, I don't. There's a couple of guys actually really trying out there, but the rest of the guys were really struggling tonight. And maybe the anxiety hit their legs. I don't know. Thank That's you. Good. That is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett. After two games, sounding like the rest of us. Man, he gonna be he, he's gonna be entertaining. <laughs> It's so good. Two games in, he's saying all the things that we've been talking about this year. They're soft. Uh, you know, none of them were going. He leadership, the leadership group on day two. Day two, he's calling out the leadership group. What have people been talking about here forever? Leadership group. It took this man less than a week. It took this man less than three, like four days, <laughs> to point it all out. It's all. It's all there for you to see. Very, very clearly, clear as day. It's clear as day. A big one for me, too, was nobody wants the puck. Yeah. And you think, you know, does that go to being predictable, right? <laughs> knowing knowing where your teammates are going to be and become a bit more structured and say, hey, when we want to move the puck out, it should go bang, bang, bang. Nobody wants the puck. That's nobody being in the right yeah. spots. Maybe a couple of guys were trying. That's are, it. Or guys supporting. And, yeah. you know, I was joking with you the other day that – you know, even against Chicago and the last Bruce game as well, they didn't really look that active to try to get the puck. Yeah. Now, the Bruce game we talked about, hey, there's mental distractions. That's fair. Not fair, but we understand why that happens. You know, there were moments, and I almost, I joked with you. It was like the puck to them is like Frosty's hat. They're like, Frosty's not alive until he puts the hat on. Yes. And he becomes a big snowman. Whereas, like, guys are just kind of skating lethargically, and then when the puck arrives near them, suddenly they wake up. It's like, yeah. oh, okay, I can do something. But where's the intent to go get the puck, show for a teammate? Do you have the mm-hmm. desire to solve a problem in your own zone and help support the puck out of the zone? Or is it only when a puck finds it onto your stick, now you start looking around, where can I make a play? You, you can make a play away from the mm-hmm. puck as well. And there's just not enough of that. And and that, to me, is a very telling quote from Rick Tocca, that nobody wants the puck. And, yeah, and even the, of the battles along the walls. And it's not necessarily even guys that have the puck. It's like, what are you doing to get the puck back? Mm-hmm. And and how engaged are you to tie your guy up even? You know? And, it's, and, and you tying your guy up is just you taking somebody away. But how invested are you in taking a threat away? 
But hey, you you act time and time again, and, and it's what you see. You know, like I that goes to the softness, right? Are are you a there's wall battles that he yeah. mentioned. And you know what it is, Bick, and we talked about this. Like a coach is going to come in the first game, they all all on their best behavior, working hard, bad Chicago team shirt. Sure. It's going to take time to break their habits down. Mm-hmm. But these are so many bad habits that are going to take time to break down. It's going to take time to overcome this. This is like 48 games plus what we saw last year. The the coach is only the only thing about Taka to come in here is to set rules and hold guys accountable for it. Because they've been getting away with this, and it's going to take a long time for all this stuff to go back and revert back and get to a stage where this isn't happening. This isn't a norm, and it may take more than this season, of course, and a lot of roster turnover. But the expectation next year, even if they lose a bunch of games and they make a lot of changes, is this is how you got to play. And if you don't play this way, you're not playing for this coach. You know, and that wasn't the case. Like the issue isn't that. Oh, Boudreaux is is a bad coach, but he wasn't here. He wasn't their guy. He wasn't able to set the accountability and set the rules, right, and hold them accountable to it. You know, I'm really or create really, rules. Well, I'm, well, and one of the things that talk has talked about is the rules he wants to put in place. The players have spoken about how they like the fact there are more rules. Now hold them accountable to those rules. And he mentioned today, old habits came back. Yeah, old habits die hard, mm-hmm. and that's really what was evident tonight. And it's going to take time to break through that. And which players are able to break through it, big? Like which players are able to fix their habits and do this? And which guys are like, no, th- it's not going to happen. You're not capable of doing that here, and you got to go. And by the way, like. Even the ones that kind of start to figure it out, 36 games might not be enough of a runway here. Because mm-hmm. there's going to be different motivations at some point come the end of this season. They're going to make trades. How dispirited do they get of, okay, here we go. Now we're just playing out the last you know 15 games. Do you just get to the finish line and say, let's all reset, come back in the training camp? You want to see guys, obviously, commit and figure this out and under the new coach. But like, I wouldn't be stunned if we're talking about 15 games to go and say, wow, they really look uninvested in the rest of the season. Yeah, I can totally I can totally see that. And that's why, you know, I am unconvinced that there's going to be as meaningful coaches bump. Completely unconvinced. And this was even before the hire made, you know, with it. It's like anything. It's like when you have a really bad habit and you're trying to break through it, how long does it take for you to get through it? It takes time. It takes a lot of time and which and which people are, are invested in doing so. And it gets hard. And there are going to be times where you're going to get down on yourself. It's going to be difficult. You got to overcome those things. But, you know, the thing I like about it is talk. It's not messing around. Like he didn't do the, hey, it's one game. You know, you know, we're trying to like he didn't he didn't sugarcoat anything. And it's very clear what the directive is, not only for from how he was hired, but also what he's laying out there right now. Vic. Like he's saying, there's there's no grace period. I guess this is a way for uh, Rick Tockett to uh, endear himself to the fans who really love Bruce Boudreaux. I mean, look at e- everyone's interview. texting I in. I like but, it. Yeah. yeah, I love the honest interview. Uh, that one's coming in. Uh, I like the Tockett interview. Not a big fan of Tockett, but I love the honesty. Players are gonna hate him. That's from Tone Capone. Uh, a lot of people texting in. Uh, suddenly support uh, for Rick Tockett. Coming up, short house. They're soft and they need to embrace the hardness. Uh, shots fired with a bitching comment on the power play. Total dig at JT, and I'm great well, with that. That's the, one text. Yeah, there was a. The, he was coming off on the, was, yeah. the double minor, and you could see he was kind of being vocal again and, and smacking the stick. Uh, but someone texted in and be like, "Can someone tell this team to shoot on the power play?" So they had nine minutes and fifteen seconds on the power play this evening. Yeah. Traditionally, what do we say is a good marker? Like one shot every thirty seconds, usually. For a power play, they took three shots on the power play tonight. Yeah, that's it. Three shots on nine minutes. That's bad. And they tried a couple of things as well. 
early on in the first uh, or first or second period, uh, we noticed uh, there was a little bit of a formation change. Yeah. An interesting wrinkle. Uh, so Hughes was still up top in the middle. Pedersen was to his right, a little bit higher up than usual. And then JT was in that corner along the same wall as Pedersen. Horvat went in front and Kuzmenko went into the bumper. So if JT and Pedersen were handling the puck, they had an opportunity to go to, to Kuzmenko in the bumper. Now, it looks different. It's also all five guys on one side of the ice. That's a little, you know, you're not you're really using the spacing. Uh, and so, but it, they were trying different ideas on the power play. They never really got the puck settled that much on that power play. So I'm curious if there was going to be more movement off of it and try to utilize the space a bit more. But you see just different tweaks yeah. of what this power play might look like for the next uh, 34 games here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and even then, Sat, we were just talking about, like, okay, what is their edge? It's like their power play isn't even exceptional right now. After uh, tonight, I believe they are uh, 14th in the league in power play percentage. Sorry, they slipped to 16th now. 16th in the league in power play percentage. That includes also giving up league-leading nine shorthanded goals against. Yeah. So it's not the unit that's really saving them in any which way. No, it's not. I mean, they haven't been scoring nearly enough and, you know, had a couple of chances to score tonight and also weren't able to get it, get it on. Uh, this text here, unsigned, says uh, leadership starts uh, at the top with management. They're the ones that need to get called out. They're the ones that have to be replaced. That's one text that comes in. Sure, but Rick Tockett on his second day of the job is not calling out the people that he hired. No, of course. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and no coach. I mean, if a coach wants to stay, he doesn't call out management. Usually that's not the way it goes. Um, <laughs> this one here. Rick says a couple guys were really struggling. What he wants to say is more than a couple guys were not trying at all. No effort. That's from Jack. And this is the thing about this team and how it's so infectious, it seems like. It's like all of them together. It's like Talk had mentioned. Like he, was, he was really surprised, like John and Canby Village. Coach sounds surprised about how the team played, and he doesn't understand how, why this team plays the way it does. Wow, that's John and Canby. Like, it's strange for everyone, for so many players to be flat. Like, what is it about them that they all kind of go the same way? You know, and I think that's been the real, comp- you know, complex. Like, I would, I'd, I'd, What's I'd the say personality they, of the team set? Well, I know, but they all kind of like, they, they go, as as one goes, they all go outside of a couple of guys. Because usually, like he mentions, it's like, yeah, sometimes a few guys don't have it. But what is it like? Everyone doesn't have it. Like, it's like they all go the same way. It's like they're all either high or they're all low. You know, like there's, it's like the whole group goes together. Which is kind of strange because usually you don't see that happen to that degree. It's like they're in, they're in sync, but in all the negative ways, and and that more than anything, uh, outside of his natural talent that this team has to improve on, is when you're talking about refreshing the roster. It's it's not just about finding better players. It's just about finding better motivated players. This team has a serious lack of compete issue. Yes, and it could be something as simple as getting the guy that. <laughs> players want to stand next to, right? It doesn't always have to be the most ferocious person. But if you give someone the ability, like, hey, I'm with you on this. Yes. Like, I'll back you up. There doesn't look like to be enough of that. They need one person right now to be the person like, I'm with you. If you want to challenge someone, I'm with you. It's all, More than often, it's Luke Shen. 
But they need like four or five more of but, those guys the, on top but, of having talented players. But big, this is the issue. It's it's again like how how many times did I rail about the somebody drag you into yes. the fight thing? They always need somebody to drag but them into a fight. On top of just finding better talent in, yes, in prominent roles, they need someone that's leading people into the fight. But their leaders are completely lacking. Ergo, why we're talking about yes. This 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 overall group needs refreshing. Certainly do, and I mean, I know the trade stuff people want to talk about, but it's like the more you watch this, a new coach comes in and calls out the leadership. Like, what are we doing here? Like, are they actually going to bring Bo back? Like, there's a chance, of course, right? Like, they haven't given up a, a you know talking contract, but I know like, you were talking we're the other day, sixty forty. Hey, I, I've been on the high end of it. That feels very optimistic. And by the way, sixty percent. That he, he gets traded. He goes forty yes. percent. That it's retained. That's kind of how I feel because I still think there's a I chance still... to figure it out. You know what I also think, Vic? I don't think he wants to. He wants out of here as badly as people think. And I think if the Canucks actually throw him an offer, that's kind of like and he, he might bite on their last one. That's what I think. There's a chance he does. That's all I'm saying. I know people think he's all gone, but I think there's a chance that happens. Seems like a terrible idea. I, I, hey, I'm not saying it's a good idea. Yeah. It should happen. That's but you know what I. And maybe it's because I saw the same thing kind of with, with – now, with JT, I had, I, had a, I had a bigger sense that he was going to stay. Like, it felt like mm-hmm. there was, you know – Plus, felt there was more, more runway. There was more. But with, with Bo, I think it is a bit different here. But you got to – regardless of what I think, make the deal. And I'm not saying go and trade, make the trade today and get whatever you get. Like, make the best deal possible. Do your job as a management team and, and execute it. But, like, it's got to change. Like, what are we doing here? And I know it's only game two of the coach, and it takes some time. But the coach is it's two days in, and he's talking about the leadership group lacking in a massive way. They need an overhaul. And, again, it's not just about Bo. Like, no, let's be very clear. Other guys, too. Listen, like you, I said. You can throw OEL in this. You can throw Tyler Myers in this. We talk about JT as well. Like, yeah, hey, you can throw JT Miller sure. in this. Absolutely. But the one guy you can make a decision on yes. that's not helping things as the true leader of the team, so to speak, that lacks leadership. I mean, something's going to change somewhere, doesn't it? Correct. And that's what accelerates this more than anything. Yeah, you know, we we were going to talk about what uh, all star comps uh, Bo should should partake in because that's days away. Okay, well, I'm sure. We, well, we we have a lot of with, with the way the way the game went and the vibe on the text message inbox. Yeah. I don't know if we'll get to that. We have some phone calls we're going to get to <laughs> as well. But you know what? Let, let uh, let's get to some of these text messages as well. People mentioned Connor Bedard. How are the Canucks getting Connor Bedard? You guys know it's not happening, right? Is one text unsigned now? Connor Bedard, pick. Playing in the lower mainland today, and I got this update from uh, Langley. Uh, Joey Kenworth sent it. No points for Bedard tonight, but minus two, but six shots on goal. Uh, That's team high, and his team was coached by Henrik Sedin and Michael Dick. And the Canucks' entire management team in attendance, Rutherford, Alvin, Granado, Clancy, and Castongay were all there. That's from Joey Kenworth. I'm still trading anything I can. (laughs) Minus two. Minus two. I'm holding back one first-round pick if I have to trade up for him. No, uh, yeah. Nice update. Yeah, so there we go. That's on the Connor Bedard side of things for those kind of wondering. Uh, Marcus and Gibson's pick has a request. I know you always have Tankathon up. Mm-hmm. He wants us to run the draft simulator. You're going to have to do it. I've promised not to do it anymore. You promised? Who did you promise? Uh, so I ran it uh, three weeks ago, and three times in a row I Ran it with, with the Canucks winning the lottery, and so I've just decided to stop. Doing so you stopped three it. in yeah. a row. They won three the in a row. Wait, wait, wait. So they won just... in three in a row. Did, yeah. you, did you use up all the Canucks' luck? I have no idea, but I just I'm just like you know what I'm not doing it anymore. 
right. I, I have the, the site bookmarked and everything. Okay. But I, I, I have the site. I, the yeah. people want, so Marcus and Gibson. People want us to run the lottery? Right. Marcus and Gibson's requested one request. If we get if if I get 10 more requests. Are we doing this? People will request 100% set. If, if we get at least 10 more requests, I will run the draft simulator That's on the, the other side. That's the softest demand ever. How many should I put then? How many? <laughs> Just run it right now. No, I'm asking for it. I want the people to tell me. Marcus is in. I need 10 more. We'll get 10, I think. All 650, right. 650. Let us know. At least 10 more. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm making it attainable. And here's I, the thing. Sorry. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to change everything I, in one take. I, I wanted to make a point of the, the person that texted in and be like, we know they're not even winning the lottery. Okay, then what are we doing here? It's like, are, are, we, are we that defeatist? That's like, they can't win hockey games, but they can't win the lottery? And people want them to tank? Yeah. You got to have a little bit of hope in your life somewhere. Yeah. Look, is it overwhelmingly that they're going to lose the lottery? Yeah, because it's 7.5%. There's a 92.5% chance they don't win first overall. Yes. That's the most likely thing to happen. Yes, exactly. But still, at the same time, it's just like, oh, Canucks never win the lottery. You know what? I've never won the lottery myself. Neither have I. Have people still bought tickets? Yeah, yes, of course. Still buy tickets. A lot of people do not win <laughs> the the provincial lottery. A lot of people don't. And you know what? People still buy it. Uh, this one, uh, this one says, Sat, you and Earth have been saying for months the Canucks are, are making one more offer to Horvat. Didn't Rutherford already say they've made their best offer? Move on, man. They need to trade him. I'm listen. I'm not the one saying they should make the offer. I'm telling you, that's my sense on the situation. There's a difference between opinion and what I think is going to happen. Yes. And me saying what I think is going to happen isn't me saying this is what I want or what should happen. All I try to do is give the most accurate info I can get and provide it to. Does it mean it's always the truth? Hey, that's up for you to figure out and 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 whatever you want to believe. All I all I can do is be as honest as I can be and provide the best info I can possibly fine for myself that's that's all i try to do okay and my sense here is that bick that there will be another discussion maybe the discussion happened where they'll be like okay a lot of people in town right now and, and i'm not saying it's gonna be good enough but it's gonna happen now like i've been saying i said this last year you can't keep both guys bo has more value trade bo nothing new here i don't i don't repeat the same opinion every single day and and rail about it but that's how i feel about it that's it uh all right Phone line or... Uh... You know what? Uh, we'll take your phone calls on the other side, more of your text messages, and I am going to be tallying the people texting in. And let's just say we undershot it. Draft simulator oh, yeah. coming up on the other side, right here on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. <laughs> Back to more Canucks Central post-game show coverage. This is where you talk Canucks on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Wenberg, left wing into the Vancouver zone, near boards for McCann, goes ring wide to the right side for Burakovsky, back to McCann, left wing, he scores! The former Canuck, Jared McCann, has his team leading 23rd goal of the year, and Seattle goes ahead 3-0. And Seattle goes on to win 6-1 on home ice over the Canucks, get their first ever victory in the regular season over their rivals up the I-5, the Vancouver Canucks, and the most lopsided game as well. 6-1 victory for the Kraken, and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shah with Vic Nazar, and keep your thoughts coming in to our text inbox, 650-650. We are going to hear from Canucks players, and I know a lot of people are texting in and saying, can we hear more of Rick Tockett again? So we'll play back some of the Tockett stuff coming up in a big to, bit to react to to it, and, and we'll take a couple of clips out to discuss what he had to say that sounded very similar to other things we have heard from previous coaches 
in Vancouver as well. Um, and some, some good responses. And uh, we'll, we'll get to the draft uh, uh, lottery simulator stuff. We'll get to that coming up in a couple minutes. We mentioned a lot Overwhelming of support. Overwhelming support. Yeah. You guys crushed the over massively, massively. So we'll get to you coming up in just a couple of moments. But, hey, we, we mentioned we've we got people waiting on the phone board. So we want to get at least a couple in here. 604-280-0650. So let's go to the phone boards and let's go to Courtney where our friend Wayne is on the line. Wayne. Thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you have for us tonight? Hey, fellas. I'd like a minute of your time, please. Yeah. Uh, and you can start counting me if you like, timing me. I saw the game tonight, and in the second period, that bonehead Myers, he put a hit on that player. He goes in the penalty box, and the Kraken score when he's in the penalty box. And in the third period, he makes another vicious hit on Beneers, a fellow that's possibly going to the All-Star game and possibly injures him. Now, I'll tell you, I don't give a flying puck. Actually, I do. But that bonehead, Dumbo Twit, mutter pucker Myers has got to go. That guy has to be gone somehow, some way. We got to get him out of this Vancouver city. He has no passion. He stands around, Dumbo as ever. He doesn't take the man. He doesn't make a play in the boards like Shan does. And when he does hit, he takes foolish penalties, costing our team. There's just no way. I mean, cap or not, we got to find a way to get this guy gone. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the phone call, Wayne, and uh, good job replacing Puck. Good work there. I like that. Keep, really keep... stumped all of us. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he kept it to a minute. Kept it to a minute. And Meyer as well. I don't think he's getting suspended. Is he going to be here next season? Good question. Good question. Good question. Well, we've talked about the signing bonus is the biggest deterrent as far as any changes that happen there. Yeah, you pay the signing bonus it's off five million. It's a five million dollars signing bonus that's uh, cashes out at September. In September. Now, could they get it done earlier, perhaps, if he plays ball, so they can get out of the way? But to he doesn't need to. The trade doesn't have to. If he wants to drag it out, he can. Um, but if you retain half the salary, I just can't own- imagine though. When he knows what's going on. Yeah. No, I mean I can't imagine paying out five million dollars and saying, "Hey." Ownership, we just gave out a $5 million check, and now we're going to retain half the money left over, and you're going to get no games out of it. Yeah, you got to get something for it. Could they run that down to March or the trade deadline oh, next season? Oh, my gosh. You know what I'm Dude. saying, though, Oh, right? I know, but like the whole thought of going through this. <laughs> but you see what I'm I saying? Know, I know. I, I totally And you know when he gets most valuable? Right at the trade oh, deadline. My. If he doesn't get injured or, like, whatever. Sure. I don't know, He's man. been weirdly durable. <sighs> Man, just a thought. Like, and, and, hey, I, I'm with you. I would love to see a. Just a thought. Like, hey, let's let's life. take it. Let's do one more year and let's see if we can get these something for these guys at the deadline. <laughs> it, went, it went Miller, Horvat, Myers. That's how it's running down. <laughs> oh man, no, get ahead of it, please, dear God. All right, uh, let's go back to the phone boards. Uh, let's go to Terrace where Aiden's on the line. Aiden, what's going on, man? What do you have for us tonight? Hey, how's it going today? Um, yeah, so just I don't know. Um, I like listening to you guys on the radio. It's fun to fun to listen to your analysis and joke around and stuff and with the Canucks and stuff. And you know what? The Canucks with um, Rick Tockett or Boost Virgil, I think it's just a rebuild season now. Like Demko's hurt, main goalie, right? It just it's a rebuild season and I think you just bounce back next year, even if it's with Rick Tockett, even if it's with another 
um, head coach. Oh, come on. It can't be another coach next season, Aiden. Please. We can't can't do another coach. (laughs) There there might be a new coach next season. You know what? God, Paying $7 million out. (laughs) Who knows? Maybe it'll happen. Uh, Hey, Aiden, uh, always a pleasure, man. Thanks for calling in. I mean, uh, I can't see another coach. If we're we're talking about another coach, it's got to be another full, clean sweep, right? Like, it just can't can't Mm -hmm. get there. Enough coaches. Enough coaches. You know it's worse than paying three coaches? Four coaches. Man, the, the Canucks going to have more coaches than I've had co-hosts at 650. <laughs> Man. All right. We got 36 games to go. Let's see if I can make it. So you can, so you can change this uh, here. Uh, uh, now, okay. We are going to get to the draft simulator in a second and some text messages. Let's get one more phone call in. Let's go to William, who's on the line. William in New West. William, what's going on, man? What do you have for us tonight? Uh, not too much. Just like, First off, I like, like you guys are the only reason I'm able to keep watching this team this year because you make it a little bit uh, at least fun. Well, that's um, good. I've been watching since like my first memories are when Burray got drafted. I had a poster and everything like that. And I've never, um, I've never seen a team that I have, I don't think, perform with such a lack of shame. Mm. like just the amount of uh great great phrase for it yeah yeah as i've been thinking for a while the amount of times they just seem to put in a shameful performance and then not come back with anything like even those messier teams as bad as that time was i don't i was a little bit younger but i don't remember uh i don't remember the lack of like personal accountability and how much they all just seem to not care yeah i know that's not the case of professional athletes but that's how it feels you know, you know what? Thanks for the phone call, William, and and, and thanks for the kind words as well. But uh, I don't know if he's so far off the no, mark. No, no, I, th- I think he's. I think he's. At, you know what it is, and we talked about this. Is like they give a baseline effort that you would expect in terms of okay, for the most part, like it's not six one tonight. It was, but there's been a baseline of an effort. But isn't there isn't this desire that shows? Oh, we want to win. We want to win. Even for the Boudreaux stuff, the guys are like, well, we never give up on Boudreaux. We try, and I'm like. Well, do still you really, four games below 500. Like you're not running through a wall. You don't have desire. Like it's not like you have no hunger. You have there's a level of professionalism because they are like yeah, they're professional athletes that I've gotten here and they give a baseline effort that okay, it's passable, but is it respectable in terms of being a winning team? No, it's not. Like where's the the, the hatred to lose outside outside of bitching at your teammates like Taka was mentioning or you know slashing your stick or slamming your stick like JT does? That's just that's that's frustration. I don't know if that's will to win necessarily. Do you see guys doing everything humanly possible? Are they battling on the ice? For instance, Bick, what's the hardest thing about being on the right side of the puck? The physical battle. Because mm-hmm. you got to physically fight to be on the right side of the puck. And that generally means protecting the middle of the ice, no matter where you're defending. Stay goal side. Yeah. How often do you see Canucks got players be on the right side of the puck? You know why? Because it's hard. It's hard work being on the right side of the puck. That's why everyone makes fun of me. It's like, I like defense because it's the harder thing yes. to do. Like, obviously, scoring goals is is the hardest thing to do, okay? But team defense and staying mentally engaged and winning those battles constantly, mm-hmm. you have to do that so many times throughout the course of a game. That's difficult. Goals are the anomaly yeah. of all the actions that happen throughout the course of the That's game. That's why you talk about process. If you repeat things consistently well... The, the anomalies will be in your favor, generally speaking. Defense requires simple. communication, yeah. teamwork, dedication, work rate, desire, all these things, positioning, awareness, on and on and on. You need so many traits. It's not just, oh, that guy works hard and he's tough. Nah. It's difficult to be good 
individually at defense, let alone team defense, reading off of each other, transitioning mm-hmm. assignments, all of that. It's difficult, and you got to get it right. And when it, when it's when it's good, boy, it's tough to break down. And Very you, tough to break and down. And suddenly you can create offense out of it. Yeah. This team, we we've known for some time, struggles with defense. Not just the six guys on the blue line. Overall, forward, sure. back pressure, everything. They struggle. Big time. Big and time. it's like job one for me for this management group was always clearing out some of the uh, the inefficient money. And some of it has been done, but they need to continue to do more work. And that's why we talk about Tyler Myers and Olive Reckman Larson and on and on and on. More work needs to be done. And they've taken some ownership of they haven't been able to move as much. But that's still job one. Mm-hmm. Job two is then start replenishing some assets into the organization. And job three is start building what this team looks like. And based on what they did in Pittsburgh, they valued defensive centers. Guys who play through the middle responsibly, consistently, and are facilitators and defenders yeah. through the middle. That's what they need. And I know everyone's like, well, then why did they sign JT? Because they can move JT to the wing. That's why. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a center, but clearly long-term they're in need of centers yes. no matter what with everything going on the way it is. So there's a lot of things this team needs, but you know, to William's point and, and this text as well, how can a group of players who have not won anything have no desire? Just like William was mentioning too, this text mentioning the same thing. It's it's, it's a great question. It's it's a great comment. Like you haven't won anything, yet you have this arrogance to you, which, which we've called out previous times this year, but it's... And that has to change. And again, like that's something that's going to take some time to overcome. Why do you think there's only like one or two untouchables? Yeah. Over the course of the whole franchise, we're talking about two guys, untouchables. They have 47 contracts set. Not to mention the guys on uh, still unsigned in general, like new fresh draft picks. There's 47 guys on this team. And we're, we're talking, yeah, 5% of them are untouchable. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Lots has to change. Absolutely, it, it absolutely does. There's a lot of things that they are going to have to put uh, uh, put together here to have success. Um, now, <laughs> we have a lot of text messages, a lot of thoughts. We'll try to get through more of them here as the show goes on. But we were mentioning people have Marcus and Gibson's requested the draft sim- lottery simulator simulator to get played. Now, we got tons of people texting in. Avi coming up short house, Mike and Tawasin, tons of RK, tons of unsigned text messages. Like well over 60, 70 texts uh, coming in. Kevin, John, I mean, the list goes on to run the tankathon. So, what we're going to do is we are going to run the draft lottery simulator. Now, before we run the draft lottery simulator it's, simulator, it's good to bring everybody up to speed to where the Canucks find themselves. And the Canucks right now have the sixth best draft lottery odds, which give them a 7.5% chance of winning the draft lottery. So, with that being the case, the Canucks have five teams ahead of them. Let's spin the wheel here, Ben. This is this is what we're doing now, and the Canucks get the first overall Stop pick. It. The first overall pick. Stop Not it. joking. Hang I hit on, it I once. I gotta pull the mic cord. And... Absolutely. Oh my god. First overall pick. Walk <laughs> off. Walk off. I've had to walk across the table. I actually can't believe. It, it's. I wish I recorded it. It is absolutely legitimate. I pressed it once. <laughs> no. I, I. Yeah. I've. The Canucks move up five spots from six to <laughs> number one. 
Christ. The Vancouver Canucks have won the draft lottery simulator. They're winning the first overall pick. Connor Bedard, who was a minus two tonight. Why are you referencing his minus? <laughs> no goals, no points. But they won the draft lottery simulator. Ladies and gentlemen. And the top prospects. Yeah, we're not doing I'm it again kidding. for the rest of the year. Do I have to retire it now? Do you have to run another poll? I've told you. I've retired mine, so it's on you. I might have to retire it. I can't believe that. <laughs> Literally. The look on Sat's face. I wish I could explain it. Just this, like, joyous wonder. And I was like, no way. Wow. All right. Marcus and Gibson says that's now four in a row for Bick. Uh, I did not actually physically do it. So I, I, I'm done. You just did. No, no, this time. But, like, you were oh, in, yes. in the presence. Oh, yes. I've been in the this, in this presence yes. of four in a row. We're done. I'm done. I'm not doing it again. Do not text that in next game. Like, hey, you know what you guys need to do? The lottery. <laughs> Rocket talk it. Rigged. That's what one t- text said. <laughs> Puck off. I love it. Coming up short house. I- I'm t- right. I-, I-, I wouldn't lie to you. I wouldn't lie. I Sat's would very lie. honest. No, I, I had to, to get up. Fault. I-, I-, yeah. I couldn't see the screen. I had to get up and look, and yeah, it checks out. Uh, this one, uh, 650, 650. Uh, can you guys talk about what's the most we can even get for Bo as of right now and what you guys would want back for him? And what teams do you think has a chance to land Bo? We get this question often, Sat, but every other game. Uh, so let's redo it here. Uh, what's the most they can even get for Bo Horvat? Three pieces? So three pieces is probably the best. You get a first-round pick. I think the most you can get is like four or five, yeah, but yeah, that's but a volume side volume. deal. Are you even going to hit any of those pieces? Yeah, I don't like the volume side of things yes. only. Like I, I like quality more. I, I like to have a couple. sweet spot is three yes. with one you'll be really excited about, like a blue chipper, and then one functional piece and one hopeful piece. Yeah, so what I'd say is I like, I love, my ideal version of a trade includes a first round pick, but the first round pick isn't the best asset in the trade. Correct. You know, so if you're getting a young player or you're getting a prospect that's very well regarded, plus a first round pick, to me, that's a combo. That that's the ideal combo. The third piece, I can take it or leave it, Bick. Honestly, as long as you get that one player that you're very high on, plus a first round pick, those two, I'd be happy with. I know a lot of fans will be like, "That's not enough. I want more a third piece." But if you're getting a premium asset plus a first, I'd rather do that than you know a late first round pick, an okay prospect, and here's a roster player that's. Kind of okay, maybe has the potential, whatever. It's three pieces, but really, what are you really getting that's valuable? So that would be my ideal version of a trade because I think that's more realistic. The best case scenario to me is a three-piece trade that has two big pieces, a really good player, a first-round pick, and the third piece being maybe a third or maybe a B prospect or something that you know you take a flyer on. Someone that's got some traits that you think, hey, another yeah. year or two in the A under our development staff. Do we get something more out of them? Uh, all right. And what teams do you think have the ch- best chance to land Bo Horvat in a trade? Now, we kind of did this exercise uh, the other day, but we'll kind of rehash it here. Um, I still wonder. I'll say it again, the Predators, right? It's a team I've been mentioning for a few weeks now. Uh, they need to get themselves back into the race more than anything. They're hovering uh, a couple of wins now here in a row, but they're in and around that wild card race. I, they desperately need power play scoring. They do. And they need someone specifically in the bumper. Yes. They need goals in general. They do. They value face-offs. Ryan Johansson among the lead leaders as well. 
I just wonder, like, if that one makes the most sense. But here's the thing: it's like you need a willing buyer. If they're out of the playoff mix, uh, mix, then what is what is that? What does that kind of do yeah. for the situation? And I, I do think there are teams involved that we're not talking about. Sure. And I think maybe that's where it might be more realistic. But I do think in the division, the LA Kings are a team to keep an eye on. Sure. And they have a lot of pieces that would align to Vancouver. And, and they're a bit more stable, obviously, in their yes. playoff chase. they got 60 points right now. They have uh, the Pacific Division third seed. Edmonton is creeping up on them, though. But so in they, general, the Pacific yeah. Division chase right now is tight. Kraken leading the way at 61, obviously, with the two points yes. they got tonight. Vegas has 61. LA has 60. Oilers have 58. Flames have 55. Now, even the Flames aren't that far off. As no. bad as the Flames season has been, like they're a winning streak away from... You know, being right in that mix again. And, you know, while we were talking about the Predators, uh, they're three points back of the Flames for uh, the wild card two seed, but they have a game in hand as well. So they're in that mix. And this is why we talk about timelines here, right? If they're one point back 14 games from now, where I think mm-hmm. they play game 61 or game 62 prior to the deadline, if they're one point back, they say, okay, we're in it. We can go 20 games and we, we have to make up one point. But now you're looking at it and say, we have to make up three points over 35 games. Yes. It's just a different runway, right? And so if it's a shorter number with shorter games, they're more incentivized to want to go for it. There's still risk right now if they were to give up, sell some future assets. So you want teams to kind of hang out in the mix. We're doing the lotto, the, the lotto watch of the lower teams. But if you want buyers to stay in it. Like you should be kind of be rooting for a Nashville, a St. Louis, Minnesota here in the West, and also out east. You know, a team. I think Frank mentioned the Detroit Red Wings. Would yeah. they be? Uh, Frank Saravelli mentioned. I think that depends on what happens with Dylan Larkin. Sure. You know, they're they're in that mix as well. The Carolina Hurricanes yeah. have been in it too. But, but suddenly the Islanders, who a team we would look at and yeah. say, hey, that could be a team. They have really started to struggle. They have 18 goals in their last 11 games. A team that really needs some goal scoring, but they're starting to slide out of the playoff picture here. They're five points back of the Washington Capitals of for a wild card two with two teams above them. The Sabres, who can't stop scoring right now, they're plus mm-hmm. 20 in goal differential. And the Florida Panthers, who've kind of corrected their season a little bit as well, um, getting back above 500. So you want some teams to be involved. Right, right now, like Boston just kind of sitting pretty and saying, like, hey, we're going to the playoffs. We'd love to get them. But like, we're the ones that have the most real offer right now. If you're Vancouver, do you just want to jump at the first real offer you take? Or do you want to play it out and say, hey, the, the pieces we want are actually elsewhere? Yeah, and I think that's what they're trying to line up. I think there are teams they've identified. And I mentioned New Jersey being one of those teams sure. as well because they have the, a lot of the assets. The question is, how willing is New Jersey to part with that to make a deal happen? And that's ultimately the question. But I think Vancouver's honed in on some of those teams that have the pieces they want. Can they align on? And I think that's kind of where they're at. The, a team to keep an eye on is the New York Islanders. But with every loss, it just makes it – I mean, they're, they've lost six in a row. They're, what, five points out of a playoff spot, and teams ahead of them have games in hand, like the uh, like the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins and even the Buffalo Sabres, for instance, that are ahead of them in the standings that have games in hand on them. So we're talking about a tough road for the Islanders to try to really get back in that playoff race in the East. So maybe like we talked about the Preds, maybe the boat – maybe that ship is sailing almost for the Islanders to really strike. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas the Preds are still in the mix, but – you look at it. I mean, the Islanders are five points back of Pittsburgh, but they have Pittsburgh has three games in hand, so they could be ten or eleven points out. And you're not making up that ground in the East if that's how far out you get. The like they're, East, in, they're they're in a really precarious position right now. The East is really tough to penetrate and and be the new team that uh, joins the fold there. The Devils. It looks like the only switch might be the Devils and Panthers right now. Yeah, 
that the Capitals have managed to uh, be their regular stalwart, se- stalwart selves. And yeah, maybe it's a wild card spot, but they look formidable. Uh, the, the the Panthers have had too much, too uh, up and down. The Panthers yeah, too volatile, and the Sabers can score. Uh, are they going to get the right goaltending and the right defense uh, the rest of the way here uh, to make up that ground to catch up on the Capitals? Now they do have s- several games in hand, uh, but it just feels like Washington has just been so steady. The, the OV still scoring goals. That I, I just don't know if the uh, Sabers going to topple that. Elliot mentioned an interesting team for Bo with the Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, finances are tough for, in that scenario. Yeah, it, but also it, like what what's left in Tampa to to acquire? I don't know. It would have to be a roster player. You're talking about young roster players. Okay, here's my thing. And that's we, it. We've talk, I, I've heard this a lot about certain teams. Like, oh, they would love both. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm sure. How many teams that are in a contending spot right now are going to give up valuable roster players? Yeah. I mean, it, it depends like, on, you know. like I'm not even talking about great players. Just someone that eats up a lot of minutes in important spots. It, it doesn't need to be core players. But... You're you're contending because you want more depth too. Yeah. To, in case injuries happen. How does that fit in? How know? does that fit, fit in? in? No, exactly. But those are. I mean, hey, people asked about the questions. Who are the teams that yeah. were linked? And that's a team that even Elliot mentioned was linked with it. So it's still at a stage where the clarity is not quite there, and we are a lot closer though, Bic. Like we're at a stage now. I think it's going to be really interesting up until Thursday, next Thursday, and then after that with the All Star break, it'll probably go quiet. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you're looking at timeline before Thursday on Bo, if not after the All Star break, is kind of what you're looking at. Yeah, and and there's no roster freeze at the All Star no. break. The only, there is no roster freeze, but uh, it, making big transactions during All Star break frowned is upon? frowned upon. Yes, in the yeah, that's keep, essentially it. Keep the eyes on the game. Yes, right? that's how they feel. Right. Although so I would, I would argue a trade would draw more eyes. Hey, preaching to the choir, man. Preaching <laughs> to the choir. That's just how the uh, how the league views these things. Uh, this one says, you are overestimating the number of teams wanting Bo Horvat. So, uh, look, I think there's a difference between teams checking in yeah, and teams ready to make solid offers. So a lot of teams are willing to give a first-round pick and a prospect because it's late first-round pick and a whatever prospect. I think most teams, like Boston, I think Boston, people, you know, Boston's been linked a lot too. Someone said, thanks for not mentioning Boston. Sorry, now we're mentioning Boston. But the way the Bruins are, they're like, yeah, we're trying to win a Stanley Cup. Will we give up a first-round pick and a prospect that we don't love? Sure. Yeah. Would Vancouver, does Vancouver want that? They, they want more. They don't want just that. And I especially mean, the style of prospect, yeah. right? Is it a center? Is it a D-man? Or is it Fabian Lysel, who's their best prospect? Best considered a higher-end mm-hmm. prospect. And that's what we're talking about. If you're talking about a contender, they're willing to give up the traditional trade deadline price. First-round pick, you know, maybe your fifth or sixth best prospect, something along those lines. Sure, go ahead. And then let's take a run at it. So that's what a lot of teams are interested in doing. That's just not the price Vancouver is willing to do it for. And it's also, I know we had this conversation a lot last year with JT and, and the and the Rangers. Does something like Fabian Lysel in a first, and if there's another piece, does that feel like an offer that's going to go away? And that's why I wonder, just play this out a little bit longer to entice in LA Kings, entice the Nashville Predators. Mm-hmm. Because they might have different pieces that you're more interested in. Say for, you know, from Nashville, the guy I've mentioned is like a Phil Tomasino, right-handed center. Yeah. Who's stuck in the AHL. They can't find a scoring role for him right now at the at the NHL level. So they're playing Cole Smith and other guys ahead of him. 
uh, Yakov Trenin and yeah. uh, uh, Novak is getting center ice time in, in lower in the line. Now, we'll talk more about that on the other side as the Canucks Central postgame show continues on Sportsnet 650. Now more of the Canucks Central postgame show. Bringing you the most Canucks coverage in BC. Only on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shah with Big Nazar. Canucks lose 6-1 in Seattle against the Kraken. Six, six, six. It's the old Joker. Six, six. Yeah. Top prospects game was ongoing today in Langley. Connor Bedard in the house. Canucks GM management. Everybody there? Everyone was there. Everyone there. And uh, we had some fun. We played the draft lottery simulator. And on the first try, the Vancouver Canucks won the draft lottery. And you should see the reactions on our text inbox. 650-650. Bernie B. Khan said, never do it again. Do not run the simulator again. You guys are going to use up all the good juju. So uh, uh, We got into a good conversation there about the, the Horvat potential trade. Yes. Uh, Gary and Terrace. Uh, what about... Great show, guys. What about trading Bo in a bad contract full fair? It's probably too difficult with one team, but a three-team trade acquire valuable cap space. Math is difficult, but it is, is it plausible? It's, it's very plausible. difficult. It's, yeah, it's plausible, though. It's within the realm of possibilities. It's complicated because there's so few teams that have cap space. And facilitating that, like even even if the Canucks trade Bo Horvat, they may not even have enough cap space to really bring back a player making more than like a couple million mm-hmm. because of how everything... You know, it's capped out for the Canucks. So it's a great idea. I'm not against it. I like the creativity. More that type of trade is more of an off season trade. Also just think of the realities that do exist of how much it costs to move money. So we saw earlier Jason Dickinson get traded alongside a second round pick, three million dollars, second round pick lines up. Traditionally, $6 million is a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. So how much money do you intend to move? And for Bo, like, what is one asset worth to go alongside with that? That also comes with a price tag himself. So if you think you're moving, like, an Oliver ekman Larson with the Bo Horvat, you're also adding things on top of that. Yes. And you're not getting a reward now, which no. is what this team needs. This team needs rewards in their transactions. They do. And they need to get some assets, and which is why I've talked about the buyout. Yeah, you buy OEL. out OEL, use that money to take on a contract with somebody's willing to do that. You know, that's a way of trying to facilitate to it. get a reward out of it. Yeah, are they able to? We'll find out. But some of those th- something to think about. It's a daring, courageous move in the off season. Yes. and that's what you want to see: courage, some courage, some bravery in the transactions. Yes, uh, somebody who didn't see courage and bravery was Canucks head coach Rick Tockett calling out the team. <laughs> I mean, facts only. It's uh, not like we're even putting words in his mouth. No, he he really said, "I don't want to call the team soft," but you know, on my second game, game, soft and called out leadership and. 
Uh, and uh, D and Abbotsford love what Talkett said tonight. He sounds open to bringing in kids from the minors for next season. Uh, that's D uh, calling in. All right. Uh, we have some text messages. Let's go to the phone boards as well. Uh, we have a couple callers online. We'll get them on. And we, we are going to get to Ian McIntyre coming up in a second. Uh, so let's take a call in now. Let's go to Surrey where we have Craig. Craig, what's going on? What do you have for us tonight? Well, I had an enjoyable time at the Prospects game. Oh, right. Uh, Scouting report, Craig. Let's get to it. Yeah, there are lots of kids with heart. (laughs) And uh, the guys from the East weren't really happy about the shiny apple we've got on the West Coast. Oh, yeah. So they were doing some double teaming him. Mm, All right. They learned what wallpaper's like when you get stuck (laughs) to the boards. Uh, We took a cross-checking and had a two-minute penalty, so everybody chuckled like, it wasn't going his way. It wasn't his show. He wanted mm. it to be about him, I think. And uh, he got put in his place. Oh, really? So uh, how did you think he handled all that tonight? Uh, as a 16-year-old? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, okay. Uh, uh, he, he had a couple opportunities and a few oohs and ahs, but he didn't score and didn't set up anybody. It was a, I think it was a 4-2 final. So mm. our team got one at near the end, but... Uh, they're good. There's lots of uh, pipes and crossbars going on. <laughs> <laughs> so you got some good so sounds, of, yeah. Yeah, lots of good snipers. So we'll see. Um, one of the things I'm just thinking, with Bo going, who the heck is going to be doing face-offs? Mm. What I really enjoyed when I – well, I'm blind now, but I used to go see um, uh, Manny Mulholtra. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had an injury, but he managed to adapt his game, and he had a couple more years in the league. And uh, then he came here as a coach, and he basically mentored uh, Bo on how to do face-offs. He was, he was the ace at it, and Bo learned from the, one of the great ones. And he went to Toronto, so who's actually teaching our guys on how to draw a puck, take a face-off? Yeah, it's a know, good pe- yeah, it's a good yeah. question. Hey, Craig, hey, thanks so much for calling in, and thanks for your scouting report, uh, calling in from on the top prospects game. And, you know, to answer the question on um, Bo Horvat and trying to replace uh, the face-offs, clearly is going to be something that they're going to have to address. Mm-hmm. JT Miller has for his Canucks career outside of this year, he's had some struggles. Like he's, he's not only been 50%, he's been like 52, 53% in Vancouver. So it's, Jay, it's, it's been very comparable with him and Bo up until this year. Yeah. Bo obviously is, is, yeah, is, is higher, but he's one guy that can, but they're going to have to get somebody in for the, the three years. JT was here was 55.3. Yeah. Uh, this year it's 50, yeah, but he but, has also taken as many this year. Yeah, but before the season 55, mm-hmm. and he took a lot of face-offs. So JT's good in the middle. So they have another guy that's good at taking those face-offs. The question is, do you want JT in all situations taking face-offs? And that's the other question. Yep. But but even if they kept Bo, Bo, we all agree, is not best used in all situations and taking face-offs all the time. So no matter what, this team needs another centerman that can take those tough matchups and takes tough, tough draws, not only... Five on five, but on the PK consistently. Well, so, so no matter what, they're, they're still in search or should be in search of finding that center. Very alarming uh, right now. Uh, they're shorthanded faceoffs. Now, Bo takes a ton. Yes. Of, he takes about 70% of the shorthanded faceoffs in general, but he's now below 50% uh, shorthanded. Now, tough scenario. You're going to be on your offside. That's why we've talked about right handed mm-hmm. center. You need them. But in on shorthanded faceoffs, Bo's at forty eight point two percent shorthanded after tonight. Defensive zone faceoffs for the year, that's all situations. It's fifty three point two face uh, mm-hmm. percent 
in the D zone. Uh, in the offensive zone, he's 60%. So, again, yeah. power plays, you're on your favorite side. You want to win, obviously, a, a lion's share of those and kickstart your 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 zone time. Uh, that's fantastic. And also on the power play, he's 65%. But this is a thing that they're going to have to figure out if and when a transaction does happen. It's also like I'm not worried about it for the remaining 34 games. This year, no, no. This is a long-term problem that they will have to solve. It's a great point by Craig as well. Hey, Manny Maholtra was a specialist in this on top of his other face-off du- or his other coaching duties, but this was a, a bonus that you got out of it. They need to ideally get someone back in that that teaches this, especially for someone like Elias Pettersson. Yeah. He was 13% in the draw last night, 44% tonight. If if Petey's going to take this step of being a true shutdown center, which I think he's got the capability of, the awareness, the smart to do it, part of it is going to have to be he has to crack 50%. Yeah, and right now he's at 43% on the season, which is slightly higher than his career of 42.8. He's at 43.4 this season. But it's something that has to improve significantly if he's going to get used situationally on face-offs. Like, to me, Bic, what matters on face-offs is situational face-offs. Mm-hmm. General face-offs numbers, I don't care about. Situationally, I do. On the PK, game situations, what you're looking, you know, I think those moments, they're really important and they don't have a, they don't have a situational face-off guy, really, that you want to have in those tough moments and rely on heavily. For instance, Colorado last year was worse than the league in face-offs. Yeah. yeah. Didn't slow them down. No. Now, they had a couple of guys that could win, you know, like Kadri, for instance, situationally, and he took situationally yeah. would win some big face-offs for them. And that's something that helped them out. But generally speaking, obviously a problem for them, right? And that's kind of where you're at with this team. But um, this team has so many things they have to solve. And even the Bo Horvat trade creates other problems, but there's still things that you feel like you can you can figure out. Like if you're looking to find another centerman that can win some draws and be good defensively, it's easier finding a player who can do that in a supporting role than is to find a higher end player to be everything you need him to right. be. Right. You know what I mean? That that has that defensive side of it plus all the offensive side of it as well. Role players. I feel like uh, Rick Taka was talking about that recently. Do they matter? They might matter. That that they need their bottom six guys to start filling up roles. Yeah, but yeah, guys that make sense, right? Like mm-hmm. guys that fit into the team. And, and and that's why this team has a lot of things that need to change up um, in terms of where they need to go. Uh, a lot of reaction on a text inbox, 650-650. Uh, this one says, uh, Rick Tockett is not qualified to be a head coach. He looks like a deer in headlights. He looks like a rookie head coach. And we'll get another new head coach soon. Rutherford must retire ASAP. So somebody that's not very... Uh, very uh, mm-hmm. sold on everything going on. Uh, this, this one says, if we had retained on all our best assistant coaches, would he have a, would he have the best staff in the league? Bonus, Newell Brown, Maholtra, Baumgartner. The last one is a jokes for 60. <laughs> right. <laughs> Poor Bomber. Can throw in uh, Mike Sullivan in there as well, right? Yes. Can throw him in there, yeah. Fantastic with, staff. Uh, Rick Talk. What was here with uh, Rick Talk? It was here with uh, um, John Tortorella. Yep. Fantastic staff. Yeah. Uh, 650, 650, uh, this one, uh, take the best package for Bo regardless of the assets, then potentially use those assets to package a cap dump. No need to do a th- three-team trade at once, so that's talking about the 
uh, talking point we were uh, yeah. on earlier as well. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and, you know, all good points. I, I like a lot of text messages here coming in this evening. We are going to get to Ian McIntyre coming up in a few minutes' time. We mentioned, Bick, we, we were we were going to get some player audio into yep. the game, and uh, we haven't heard from a Canucks player. We heard from uh, from uh, Rick Tockett, who laid into his team, and we'll talk to Ian McIntyre about that. But Curtis Lazar, he met with the media after the game, and he got a point tonight uh, featuring in on the only goal the Canucks scored this evening. And initially, we all thought Curtis Lazar scored at the end of the second period when Seattle was up 5-0. But as replay shows, the puck just hits Connor Garland on the way to... And he he wasn't doing the one where where he shortens the... Like kneels over at the side of the net and tries to tap it in. He was knocked over. He was knocked over yeah. and and like it just kind of hits his glove and goes yeah. underneath his stick and goes in. But Curtis Lazar gets an assist and here he is meeting with the media post game. Yeah, absolutely. You know they they move their feet well. Uh, you know, we we got stuck you know chasing them all night and that's it's an area that you know we need to look on and improve. That's you know if you know your legs move you gotta know you know be strong on the puck. You know don't pass your problems on to one another and just really, what can we do to kind of turn the tides? We weren't able to do that tonight. Great defensive effort last night. Is it quality competition tonight, that, or did you guys weren't as prepared? I mean, that's yeah. that's the golden question, right? Um, again, each and every game, it's it's a new challenge. Teams have different concepts and whatnot, but I mean, like I said, I mean, here from the get go, you know, they, they started on time. We didn't. Uh, we were chasing from from there. So again, there's there's those hiccups, those mental mistakes. You know, we're just losing our positioning and the stuff that you know we got to nip in the butt pretty quick here. It's all part of that process and learning. And if we want to grow as a team, you know, we got to figure it out pretty quick. How long will it take to kind of grasp the new systems, or has he even tried to put them in place quite yet? Yeah, I mean, every day we're trying to learn. Uh, and again, like I said, there are going to be some growing pains and whatnot, but you always hang your hat on your effort. Uh, you know, we didn't win nearly enough battles out there, and you know, that allowed them to have possession more. And like I said, it goes the other way. Like last night, you know, we were the ones that kind of on top of the puck and all over, and you feel lighter out there when you don't have it. You know, you're a little heavier, and, you know, it's, uh, like I said, you're just, you're just chasing. So, again, whatever the coaches have asked, we've got to be the sponges. we got to learn and just grow. That is Curtis Lazar after the Canucks lose 6-1 in Seattle against the Seattle Kraken. And this is the Canucks Central postgame show here. And, you know, Lazar echoing some of the sentiments the coach had. They just have to be a lot better in so many different ways. But, you know, we've heard the Canucks players talk about this all season long. You know, like, it's nothing new about it. And Rick Tockett tonight, well, uh, he seemed a bit surprised. He, he was actually surprised that tonight was so different compared to yesterday. Oh, yeah. You know, he thought, and he himself was saying yesterday, hey, well, the true test comes on the back-to-back. But I don't think he was expecting it to look this different. But that's how Jekyll and Hyde this team has been. Like, we're, we're, none of us are surprised. We're like, yeah, we've seen this all year. You know? <laughs> He's seen it from afar. <laughs> yes. And yeah, you can make a couple of calls and be like, hey, what's this team like? All this sort of stuff. Uh, but it's very much a, a rude awakening if you are uh, Rick Tockett in this spot. Oh, in a massive way. Oh, did I turn my mic off? You did. I, and I thought my earbud was out. So I'm, yeah, like, I'm like missing this. I was talking. You, just you turn yourself there. off. We are having a back-to-back for us, too. Yeah, a couple of uh, couple of uh, technical issues All here. three of us today. It's been All, rough. We've Each one of us yeah. have had one mistake each. One each, at least. We're soft. We are. Talk about accountability. <laughs> Jeez. Soft uh, performance from us. <laughs> Uh, Barney at the PE. Clearly, talk has lost the room. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes for 60. <laughs> Strong one coming in. Yeah. Um, wingers matter a lot in face-off wins, overall wins, and that's true. Sure. They do help out for, for sure. And that's a that's a text that came in a bit earlier. Uh, Jay and Poco. Trading Kuzmenko now with his production and low cap, it could return a first round pick. With him and Bo, the trade could be three firsts this year. If we sign for five million a season and he doesn't keep the production, Kuzmenko could lose his value and end up 
an end of his bridge deal and become another low return contract sell high now. And Jay Impoco's overall overarching point isn't necessarily a bad one. I understand why fans feel that way too. Like I understand, like yeah, and, and you know, we- like hey, we've seen we've seen this team you know, have a lot of players that were valuable and they held on to them until they weren't valuable anymore. And how, where did that get us? So I understand how people have a different view on the whole Kuzmenko thing. I, I would just go back to what we said last game. It's like, there's no really bad outcome there. No. If it's a, a low bridge deal or a low term deal, that's fine outcome. Uh, the thing that you don't want to see is like this over expensive long term deal that you're making a big bet on a hand, you know, a, a short sample size i've all the belief in the world in andre kuzmenko yeah. but it's still a risk if you were to do a long-term deal and if you trade them uh that's a good outcome for the vancouver connects as well hey and uh because we we were not keeping uh up with tradition we figured we'd do it tonight so we talked trade right before bringing up oh, yes. ian mcintyre into the discussion uh you hear him on radio you see him on tv you read him on digital he is the closer ian mcintyre was i traded no, <laughs> never. You've been extended. We gave you a no movement clause years ago. Oh, uh, that's why people are so angry at me for for the term on my contract. <laughs> yeah, that's the issue. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, well, welcome to the Canucks, Rick Talkett. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know what? Let's just jump right into it because we are towards the end of the show. I but kind of did already. You did. No, Dino's exactly. texting in here. Is that the shortest new coach bump ever? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, there's probably some that lasted a couple of shifts. Yeah. <laughs> at least at least they had a game. Savor it. Enjoy it. Tell your grandchildren about it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's no surprise for us. We've watched this. We've seen this. But it seems like Rick Tockett, despite the fact that he knows the record and he's watched from afar, like Bick mentioned, he was surprised at how different tonight looked compared to what he saw last night against Chicago. Yeah, he, he was. And... <laughs> He's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this, how this all plays, plays out because he's not, he's not going to put up with this. Uh, I don't know how much he can do with, with, with the group, but he's, he, you know, it's not going to be okay with Rick Tockett if they play this way. And so that'll be an interesting dynamic to see because, you know, they're going from, a player's coach and Bruce, everybody loved him. The, the top guys played a ton. And, you know, Rick Tockett isn't known as, as a hard-ass coach per se, but he's, he's known as a demanding one. And as, as he has said, he's, he has some standards that are non-negotiable. <laughs> I think they probably fell quite short of all of those standards tonight. But it's only it's only game two, and he's had one practice, so we'll see. And you know, it's kind of a perfect storm to keep keep scuffling because they're not going to get any practice time. They have a day off tomorrow that's a mandatory day off, and then a game Friday, and then the break, and then because of restrictions on what you can do coming out of the All Star break, they're going to fly all the way across the continent and practice. Uh, a week from Sunday night in New Jersey and then play the Devils on the Monday, opening a uh, tough road trip in the New York area. And the Devils are the Seattle Kraken East, only better. You know, they have all the same speed, but they probably have more or 
least a couple of more high-end players than than what the Kraken have. So I don't know how he is going to get his message across because he's simply not going to be spending much time with the players. But I think, well, he said himself, I don't know what to say. Can you imagine Rick Tockett as a player having being part of this kind of loss, like as combative and fiery as he was to, to put up with a game where he said his team was soft. I mean, soft, that's, you know, a bad four letter word in hockey. And it was only last night he was asking them to embrace the hardness. So they've gone from please, you know, embrace the hardness to they're soft. They, they got a lot of work to do. Do you think his approach is like the, that post-game uh, availability? Is that who Rick Tockett is? Or do you think part of it is, hey, I'm not beholden to a bunch of these players and there's only a handful of games to the trade deadline. We'll see some changes and, and, and I can take a less than tactful approach. Yeah, well, I, I, I think he's, I mean, Bruce Boudreaux wasn't beholden to the players either. Fair, yeah. He was brought in, inherited. But, you know, every coach has his style and Bruce really connected with him and got a lot out of him in his first partial season uh, because players, uh, you know, were ready for that kind of change. First of all, they were ready for a coaching change, wanted a, I think they wanted a coaching change, but which sounds like a terrible thing, a terrible indictment of Travis Green. I think there was just the, that regime had gone on so long that everyone was waiting for a change to happen. So the players were ready for a change. And in came, you know, big lovable Bruce, and he sort of um, uh, re-empowered some of the top players to just go out and play. I mean, look at the incredible turnaround, for instance, that Elias Pettersson had after he took over. Brock Besser, who did nothing for the first couple of months, and then, you know, Brock had challenges after, but he became a much better player once Bruce took over. Uh, I I think that Talkit is... And again, it's not like he's, I don't think he's Torts. I don't think he's Mike Keenan. I just think, you know, probably he's a lot like Travis where, you know, he's insistent on them doing things a certain way. And he's, he's pretty unhappy when, when they don't and he can, but probably more unhappy and maybe more, more, uh, uh, demonstrative. That's not the right word. I'll Surly. think of a better word, but more, yeah. more engaged, more engaged in changing the players' habits, oh, maybe yeah. than 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 Travis. And so we'll we'll see how it plays out. But it's it's hard to imagine. And we knew and know. So like people who last night were saying, "Well, it's the Chicago Blackhawks." Yeah, we all know that. We know it's everyone was saying, "Yeah, but it's the Chicago Blackhawks." Nobody was saying they beat a Stanley Cup contending team. But as much as we knew, there's a stark difference in quality of opponents in these first two games from Chicago at home to Seattle away on the second half of a, a back-to-back. I think it's still stunned Talkett. And frankly, with all I've seen this year, it still kind of surprised me yeah. how different and how bad the team could be 24 hours later. Uh, so... 
I, I mean, I'm not proud of this saying, but one of the things that I, I do say in life, I don't believe in rock bottom because one of the biggest lies. Wait a minute. Li- wait a minute. I got to get I got to get a pencil and paper. Yes. Here we go. <laughs> yes, all right. This is going to be yeah. how I live my life yeah. from now on. This is no. what Sat says. It's, 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 it's kind I'm of a pessimistic. It. It's, it's not meant to be pessimistic, but it's more meant to be like, I don't believe in rock bottom, Ian, because I, I think the notion that things can't get worse is a lie because things can always get worse. And there's been so many times that you were like, we can't see this team play worse. And, and I think that's a lie. Because I think that what we've seen this year, there's no depth to how bad this team can be at times. And that's why I'm not as surprised by it. But one of the things that's becoming very evident, I think, throughout all this, which gets talked about all the time, is the overall leadership again. And the fact that Tockett mentioned leadership in his second game as well. Like, he's not only is he calling out the effort, but he's, he's taking straight aim, dead aim, at his leadership group after two games, too. Well, in, individually, they were awful tonight. I mean, go, go down that list. And I say that because I, I actually haven't personally gone down the whole list. But I know, I know, for instance, Quinn Hughes was just an adventure and was giving high-risk plays and, and losing the puck. And, you know, the home run plays that uh, talk at referenced, home run play after home run play, I think a couple of those were Quinn Hughes. So Quinn didn't have a good night. Uh, Elias Pettersson had as bad a night statistically as I think he could possibly have playing against Yanni Gord. You know, he, he, I think his expected goals, and I'm not making this up, go to natural stat trick. I think Elias's expected goals tonight at five on five was 7%. You know, they got outshot a ton, outchanced a ton. He with Kuzmenko and Mikheyev mostly. Uh, so that line was awful, and, and that's, like I say, statistically, that's about as bad as you're ever going to see Elias Pettersson. JT Miller tonight, 16.50 of ice time, six more than six of it on the power play. His 10 minutes of even strength ice time was 11th among 12 Canuck forwards. That tells you what what Rick Tockett thought of, of JT Miller's game. And I haven't really, go- I haven't really looked at... Looked at Bo and Kizmenko, you know, was awful along with, with uh, or got caved in at least territorially, along with Pedersen. So, you know, those are those are their top players, you know, and and individually they they all struggled. So, I I think uh, I don't think that Rick Tockett's as superficial as I am in, in just judging yeah. his leadership that way. I think I think there's a lot more to it, but when your best players are that bad, I mean, who who's driving the team exactly? Who's supposed to lead you lead you out of trouble and lead you to to better things if it's not your best players? Yeah, and Ian, it's one of those. And by the way, by the way, Sat, that's one of the saddest things. That's it's... the saddest mantra I've ever heard. It's not a mantra. There's no such thing as. There's no such thing as rock bottom. There isn't. No. It can always get worse. <laughs> it can always get worse. So when oh, people man. say, oh, things can't get worse. Oh, it's not going to get any worse. Like, don't don't tell yourself that. And I don't think the players should act that way either. That's a great That's... mantra because you should focus on how to get, get out better. of it. You're like, yeah. hey, it could uh, get worse. Yeah, focus on getting out of it. Don't rely on this being rock bottom to get out of it. Like, Yeah. Well, I... well I'm after this, I'm calling my therapist. <laughs> Well, I mean, if the Canucks haven't forced you to do it, then I have maybe. several. <laughs> hey. These post games have turned into a group therapy session, so you're pretty much calling into yeah. it right now. 
Yeah. By the way, did it seem like I was the only one asking questions? It felt like I was the only one asking questions. That's kind of I was, talking. Uh, yeah. I really only try to listen for your questions, anyways. To yeah. Be honest, so oh, okay. Yeah. We, right. we keep it. See, in there we go. We boosted your ego. That's. <laughs> Are you feeling better already? With all, you know what, Sat? It can always get worse. <laughs> it can always get worse. And you know what? Let, let, we'll end the uh, postgame show on that note. You know? Oh, man. The, there are no we'll depths. Be, we'll, we'll, be ha- we'll be happier next time. This is one of the few times. I mean, a loss where, to Columbus where, would definitely be worse. Where the, where the bleak emotions of the staff reflect reflect the game. Normally, we we're more jokey yeah. Yeah. when they're that bad because you have to try to laugh at it a little bit. But, yeah, we, we, man, tonight tonight was awful. I, it, it was, was. It was hard. It was hard to believe how badly one team could look versus the other. And that was tonight, and then uh, even harder to believe that this was the same team that won five two last night. Yes, against the Chicago Blackhawks, we get it. Yeah, when, I know, but. When do the Kraken play Chicago? That's what I want to watch. They just played them. <laughs> they just played them two weeks ago and scored eight on them. Beat them 8-5. Uh, yeah, Chicago yeah. got four more goals. Okay, anyways. Ian, how, how about Seattle? Second year franchise. Big big rivals of the Northwest. They're 20 points ahead of the Canucks. We're just past halfway. They're going to host. 20. They're going to host. 20 ahead. They're going to host a playoff game uh, at home yeah. ice, something Vancouver hasn't done since 2015. Yeah, there there'll be a handful like they man they, but they're also kind of reckless aggressive. So I don't know, I don't know which team would hold them to account that way, but boy, they they ha- come at you with a lot of speed and a lot of pressure, and just constant, yeah. constant. They're a fun team. They're a fun team to watch, and they and they're you know, they could probably stand an upgrading goal as well. Like yeah. as successful as they've been, they don't have an elite goalie. They don't have an elite defenseman. Uh, their elite forward is 19 years old, so he's going to got to get a lot better. They're they're fun to watch. It's a fun place to come to a game. Everyone from Vancouver, at some point, make this make this journey because it's one of the best rinks in the league, and it's a, a fun place to see a game. But not so much when it's six one. Yeah, no, especially when it goes the way it did tonight. But one of these days, both teams will be good, and it'll be a good rivalry between these two teams. And we search for that day. It's not this year, but hopefully one of these years. Ian, great stuff as always. I look forward to reading your latest on sportsnet.ca, and we'll see you back in Vancouver on Friday. Well, thanks, Sad. If I'm lucky enough to make it home, things can always get worse, you know. <laughs> drive safe. Drive safe. <laughs> drive safe. Please drive safe. Things can also right. get better. Yeah. They can always get better. All right. Thanks, Ian. That, that's Ian McIntyre uh, on the post game show, as always. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> Greg on Granville. My philosophy for life is that things can always get worse. Tell me you're a Canucks fan without telling me you're a Canucks fan. <laughs> My assholes love the show, Sat. Uh, thanks, guys. Yeah, hey, it's always fun being on the show. Thanks for the jokes for 60. Uh, we've been laughing quite along quite a bit. And this one of the Laughter is the best doing. medicine. It is. Uh, a lot of fun. Uh, thanks for all your interaction, listening to the show, and being part of it. We can't wait to be back at it again on Friday on the post game show. But we're back on air tomorrow. Bick Nazar, the People Show, 3 to 4? Brad May tomorrow. Oh, May Day. every Thursday on the People Show. Looking forward to it. I'm Satyar Shaw, back at it tomorrow with Dan Richo on Canuck Central. Columbus Blue Jackets head coach and BC native Brad Larson is going to join the show. So we'll talk to him and a lot more as well. We'll dig into some NHL draft prospect talk. He's Ben Bastrin. I'm Satyar Shaw. He's Bick Nazar. Thanks for listening to the Canuck Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650.